This programme was first broadcast on Canterbury's community access radio station Plains FM 96.9 and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Kia ora, I'm Ian Turner and welcome to Garden of Sound, sponsored by The Nephilist. All of the socialising and none of the headaches. This is the first show of 2020 and what a beauty it is too. You're going to be hearing from Christchurch Music stalwart and absolute character Corey Reardon. He's a singer, songwriter, mystic, life coach, counsellor, jib stopper and tournament winning jiu-jitsu practitioner. He released two full albums last year, count them two, called Flame and Phoenix, and he's been on something of a journey of self-discovery. But what does 2020 have in store for Corey? Is it more of the same, or will there be a new approach to the music Corey writes and produces this year? This is the Garden of Sound interview with Corey Reardon on Plains FM 96.9. Corey, I want to start off uh, with you as a uh, as a young kid and growing up and listening to music. Have you got a first memory of music in the house or in your life? It was '86, I th- I believe. Um, that would be the Dire Straits tour. Uh, they played at Lancaster Park. I, I didn't go to the concert. My parents went. They brought back the the merchandise book, and while they were there, um, I, I was just playing. Die Straight, so that album, uh, Brothers in Arms, yeah, just such a good album. I was I was punishing it, loving it, and uh, just extremely jealous that my parents got to go and. So you were it. listening before they they went. Did you have any sort of concept? I mean, there must have been a bit of excitement from your mum and dad. They must have been sort of you know, revving up to revving yeah. up to go. I th- yeah, they were. Yeah, they were absolutely stoked. Yeah. <laughs> um, Dire Straits were, I mean, the earliest memory I have was actually the first musical memory would be listening to Mary Ann Faithful in, in the car. Mum and Dad used to crank that, and, and mainly because she's got, you know, she'd swear a lot and say some pretty radical stuff, and her lyrics really um, honed in to my head. I was like, wow, you can say whatever you want in music. Yeah, that woke me up. So was there encouragement from your mother or father? Uh, do they sort of see any sort of inklings of talent from you? Yeah, I snapped the, the bridge uh, right off my mum's guitar by um, tuning all the guitar strings up, and uh, that was my first introduction to an instrument. And then after that, I was a little bit more gentler, got a guitar from my auntie. Uh, went to, do you remember Clary Light? Yes. Yes. <laughs> a few lessons from him, but I, that didn't really ring for me, so I didn't really stick with it. I taught myself later on um, at high school. My friend was playing Sweet Child of Mine. I said, show me how to play that. He said, what have you got in your lunchbox? And so I was uh, exchanging squiggle tops to learn how to play um, Sweet Child of Mine, and it went from there. Were you reading music or just going from the tab at this this point? Just watching yeah. others play, yeah, just going by ear. Yeah. And then got into tablature probably a couple of years later. Mm-hmm. And I realised it wasn't really difficult. Uh, so obviously Guns N' Roses, uh, a bit of an influence. What sort of turned you on to, to that song? Uh, it was just what was cranking at the time, you know. Um, Guns N' Roses were everywhere. That's all you heard on the radio, mm. um, along with uh, you know, Bon Jovi and all those bands. Just the bands with the big hair, Poison, Motley Crue. 
So there's a little bit of guitar instruction and you've mainly sort of taught yourself and you've learned a bit along the way. When was your sort of uh, first public performance in whatever form that oh, yeah. may have been? Well, that was at high school at um, Papua Nui. Uh, formed a band called Frantic with uh, a very good friend of mine and a couple of other older uh, students there. It, that, we, that band went for a couple of years. Um, got some, what were you doing in the band? I was just playing guitar uh-huh. until we had the the formal and um, girls were still wearing puffy shoulders at the formal back then. It was shocking. But uh, the band that played <laughs> at the formal was really, no one was really enjoying it. And uh, I was there and the bass player and the drummer was there, not the singer um, at the formal. And someone said, you guys should get up and play a song. And they said to me, do you reckon you could sing? And I said, look, I reckon we could possibly pull off um, Enter Sandman. Okay. And yeah, we got the place pumping. I mean, that song was at the time when it came out, that's when Metallica really became mainstream. Did you have the uh, James Hetfield voice at that stage? Or yeah. was it? Yeah. Yeah, you yeah, weren't, for sure. You weren't too sort of sore afterwards? No. Yeah. No, I was doing a little bit of backing vocal anyway and, and screaming and yelling in my bedroom. But yeah. I didn't see myself as a, a front man, but that's when it started. Was the screaming and yelling a musical thing? Or was that just, you know, young person sort of raging against the world? I think probably a little bit of that. And then you've got like Kurt Cobain coming along and showing that you can just rough it up. I mean, I felt confident because I thought, I mean, Kurt Cobain's a legend. um, But he showed that it's about heart more than, and the soul, more than musical ability. It's a deeper talent. Yeah. Was there anything um, for you aside from uh, music at high school? Did you have sort of any other sort of career options that you thought, yeah, I can see myself doing this? <laughs> no, I was dyslexic. I was hopeless, mate. It was uh, not looking good for me at school. So music was uh, to be a band that was put together by just a group of guys. Uh, and, and, yeah, we played it, the Rock Quest and all that. I mean, that was probably my best accomplishment. How was... School. How was that experience, the Rock Quest? Was this the, the first time you sort of played outside yeah. of school, outside yeah. of your peers? Yeah, we played um, at assemblies and all that sort of thing, but outside, yeah, Rock Quest was the first um, first go. Do you remember the experience, where you played, Yeah, how it went? I, I can't remember. The hall we played in, I think it was out Horswell Way or something like that, and um, uh, yeah, it was a cool experience. It, it was great. It was nerve-wracking and i honestly can't remember if i was singing at that point or phil the who ended up becoming the bass player in resin later on um but he was the vocalist at first i can't yeah my memory's not so good around that point so there's a lot of sort of heavy bands uh you've talked about is that sort of what you've modeled the majority of your early original material on and yeah, that style absolutely so um heavily in- influenced by faith O'More, metallica iron maiden was actually the first band i got into that really made me uh, dive into the guitar and and the the joy you can have in just going to town on it yeah and just finding a cool uh you know they're very riff driven band and and then Metallica was the same. It's all about the riff, finding a good riff that would just click. So, yeah, the heavy bands loved it. Still do. Were your parents into it, into this sort of heavy kind of thing, a bit heavier than um, um, Dire Straits at least? 
Yeah, I mean, like I say, Miriam Faithful, she's pretty out there. I mean, I wouldn't say it's heavy, but yeah, it, yeah it's got a real content. attitude to it. Yeah. Um, Mum was into Uriah Heap and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, and Deep Purple, Jimi Hendrix. I mean, I got exposed to some cool music when mm-hmm. I was young. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, there were always, um, you know, great New Zealand bands you were hear- hearing. Uh, oh, there, there was just always good music being played on the radio. Yeah. There was always something a bit rockier and a bit edgier, and that's what I tend to mm-hmm. gravitate towards. It is time for some music, and I normally go on about influences at this stage. Are there any other groups sort of out there that you think might have defined the Corey sound? Yeah. Um, Alice and Chains were huge. Uh, when I heard them, I, you know, it was in that grunge era, the Seattle uh, movement that was going on, Pearl Jam. Uh, Alice and Chains just stuck out. Uh, like a sore thumb really why is that it was their harmonies it was their um their sort of moody riffs and and the tones that they had with the melody the the harmonies were just phenomenal especially those heavy drop d oh just so good so uh i just thrashed the heck out of um, alice in chains it was you know stone temple pilots and um that the likes of those guys temple the dog just Great bands. Yeah. yeah. So what um, Alice in Chains track should we listen to now? Oh, we have to listen to Wood. I mean, it's just it's a staple from them. Might be a difficult question, but what does Wood mean to you? Do the lyrics mean anything, or is it the music, or is it a combination of both? Um, it's It's just the tone that they get across. I mean, it's not even so much what the... I've never really dived into what the lyrics might mean they seem to use words more as finding a right tone you know it's they just pick words that sound right instead of going for that poetic sort of idea so i love them for that because the poetry comes out through allowing the music to tell the story
This is the Garden of Sound interview with Corey Reardon on Plains FM 96.9. Corey, I want to talk about gigs, and we very much come out of the same era mm. in, um, in Christchurch. What's probably the most memorable gig or big gig um, you got along to as a young person that uh, you could... The, the most memorable would be um, Faith and More at the Caledonian Hall. Okay. It was just epic. And, of course, um, uh, Pumpkin, he were playing as well. It, it was... I uh, was just blown away. It was m- maybe 2,000 max in that hall. wasn't a very big... Less than, I'm sure. Yeah, it was tiny. And it was it was uh, intimate, it was loud, it was full on, and uh, Mike Patton and the crew just absolutely delivered. It was it's still probably one of the best concerts I've ever been to, and the first one I went to, ninety three. And uh, I went to the same gig, and I seem to remember a, a pause in the music where mm. the whole band froze. And from memory, I thought it was only about thirty seconds, but you think it was a bit bit longer? I, 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 Pretty sure I read in the paper where they said it was getting close to a couple of minutes or a three minutes. Um, I mean, it was getting to the point where there were a few people booing. They weren't happy with it. They they paused for a long time, and that's what I love about those guys. I just didn't give a shit. Have you seen them play since? Yes, I uh, saw them in Wellington uh, with uh, Soundgarden, um, Lamb of God. There was a few bands that played up. I can't remember what the name of the concert was. That they were just. Um, I managed to do a bit of crowd surfing there for old times' sake. This was going back maybe three or four years ago. Still um, pretty good. Yeah, man. You got to get on the crowd. Yeah, yeah. It's a good view from up there. Any other gigs or acts that you've caught that you thought that was just you know brilliant or would love to see them again? Um, Tall was always really good live. Um, uh, Muse phenomenal. Just absolutely uh, sent me to Mars. They just, their soundscape is just mind-blowing. Of course, the vocals just carry you away. Great band. Okay, so heading back in your own musical experiences, we've got Frantic at Papua Nui. So mm. post-high school, um, what happened with that setup of, of folks? Yeah, so I wasn't really doing anything. I was writing a lot, um, just in my bedroom I spent most of my time uh, in my bedroom if I wasn't uh, you know eventually started working as well but um, I got my friends to learn uh, the bass and the drums I gave a kick drum and a hi-hat to my friend Greg Nichols who ended up becoming the drummer for Resin at the, he didn't have a snare he was just hitting the top of the uh, <laughs> of the kick drum and that was um, first time we played Resin played was at my 21st uh, just me and Greg, and then we brought Philip Smith on, um, my other very good friend, and he learnt the bass, and Resin sort of kicked off from there. Did Resin grow in terms of its makeup? We we grew, we stayed at a three piece, but as far as um, our ability, and I, I was writing all the time, we had about 70 songs. Um, often when we played, we were playing for three to three and a half hours. That's huge. Yeah. I I, couldn't, I just can't stop writing. So a lot of a lot of music there. How was that for you vocally? Oh, I was rinsed by the end. Um, <laughs> Understandably. Yeah, yeah. No, I would take it, and there was a lot of screaming and yelling and jumping. Of course, uh, and I used to buy cheap um, guitars out of the buy sale and exchange, so I could smash a guitar and sort of third song to the end, and um, that would get the crowd going as well. We we didn't do it for money, anything, any anything. We got paid for a gig was spent on lighting, um, okay. putting on a good show. Yeah. And um, we sort of, 
I wouldn't say we were. Yeah, we were known in Christchurch for putting on a good show for sure. Mm. Yeah. Um, so, what did you have in terms of uh, recorded material? We recorded an album in '98 called Seed. Mm-hmm. Um, that's floating out in the ether somewhere. <laughs> I've got a you know CD, a couple of CDs here. Um, it is on YouTube actually on on my. Uh, YouTube channel, the full album is on there um, if anyone's interested in hearing something from the past. What sort of following did you have? You say you put on a good show. Did you have a sort of a loyal crowd? Yeah, if we, we were playing at um, the Jet Set Lounge or, or the Ducks Deluxe, I mean, we would fill the place up. Yep, mm. it was cool. I mean, it wasn't hard to fill up the Ducks, um, and that was my favourite place to play. It was just, again, if you're smashing a guitar and you've got people right there and then they're having a bit of a go on it as well and broken glass everywhere, it was just cool. It was phenomenal. <laughs> Health and safety be damned. Yeah, yeah. So Resin continued on for for quite a while i'm sure not everything was sort of sweetness and light is there any sort of moments you look back on and go oh maybe that wasn't such a good idea or i could have done that a little bit better <laughs> yeah i had a friend of mine um came back from london uh with his wife and uh we were playing at the jet set lounge for new year's eve and he walked in and i was lying on the stage uh, intoxicated just gurgling into the mic i think the bass player had flagged his bass as well he was just playing with the eq on his um on his amplifier and the drums i'm not sure what greg was up to i walked off the stage and went into town yeah so what was the um what was the reaction to that performance my friend was pissed off, but um, I don't know what people... I was I was really, really drunk. It, even though it was, um, I think... Did you get hired again? Uh, yeah, no, we, we were all good. I mean, it was entertaining. Um, but there was... I think we thought we were rock stars, you know. Yeah. And you just did crazy shit. And is that the kind of show that people came to expect? So they thought something like this might happen? Well, they wouldn't know what they'd get. You know, sometimes I would be painted blue. Um, another time I was painted in glow-in-the-dark paint. Um, or uh, it would just anything random, really. It, I We were about putting on a show. So more about the show than the music? Definitely more the music. Yeah. Um, but... The, the, I think when you let the alter ego out, it's it's what makes the music really come alive. Mm-hmm. You know, the music sets the tone, uh, but you, you need to hit all the senses somehow. Yeah. Um, the smell was just built by the crowd, you know, that was B.O. So yeah. <laughs> um, aside from that, you had the, the sight, sound, and uh, uh, I don't know about taste, you're drinking beer, everyone was getting high. and Yeah. yeah. Um, well, the benefit of hindsight uh looking back to young Corey giving up his lunch to to learn guitar um is there anything you'd say to that that young fella batting down the hatches really yeah enjoy i think uh there were some opportunities that did come along that i I probably should if i was a little bit more awake and aware could have really um you know maybe opened up more of a career in music but i was certainly in the moment more than anything and not very good at management I was good at some writing music and uh, and that that's what I do best is there any aspect of mentorship directly with music going on with you at the moment or any thoughts in that direction I've worked with a few musicians uh, helped a little bit with some production with with, with some others um, my beloved she is uh, a singer and um, I, I wrote a song for her 
she sang it back to me. You know, we sang that together. So we'll do some recording together there as well. Um, nice to hear her getting into, you know, letting her voice out. And I've worked with a couple of other artists and friends that I'd love to, you know, help produce. So, mm-hmm. You know, I produced my own albums and only started learning production as of last year when I broke my leg. So We'll get to that in another part of the show. <laughs> it's time for some more music. Um, I'd like to ask about a, a favourite track or a or a favourite artist. Anyone you care to offer up? Yeah, um, definitely Cat Stevens. Uh, it's huge. Even though a lot of my music doesn't really sound Cat Stevens like, I I am going to be bringing out a third album. The music I've been writing recently is very Cat Stevens like. Um, I've wanted to do something a little bit more folky, um, just because I can. And and it's interesting. I just want to keep it interesting. So doing soulful rock's been good, but going into something a bit folky, so I can just play the acoustic gigs as well. Um, Father and Son's just a great song, brilliant song. I love it, and um, I've played it for my dad a number of times. So yeah, it's beautiful. <laughs> It's not time to make a change Just relax, take it easy You're still young, that's your fault There's so much you have to know Find a girl, settle down If you want, you can marry Look at me, I am old but I'm happy was once like you are now and I know that it's not easy to be calm when you found something going on but take your time think a lot why think of everything you've got for you will still be here tomorrow but your dreams may not To explain When I do He turns away again It's always been the same Same old story From the moment I could talk I was ordered to listen Now there's a way And I know That I have to go away I know I have to go change just sit down take it slowly you're still young that's your fault 
there's so much you have to go through Find a girl, settle down If you want, you can marry Look at me, I am old, but I'm happy All the times that I've cried Keeping all the things I knew inside It's hard, but it's harder to ignore it if they were right, I'd agree But it's them they know, not me Now there's a way And I know that I have to go away I know I have to go This is the Garden of Sound interview with Corey Reardon on Plains FM 96.9 Thanks so much for being here today. I want to talk about a sweet little event that's coming up at the end of January. The music fans and lovers of the amazing nooks and crannies dotted all over Banks Peninsula, the O'Kane's Bay Music Fest is definitely one for you. It's happening Saturday, January 25th. It's going to be a day full of good times and great music with acts like Soaked Oats, Dusty Hustle, Emily Fairlight and Reb Fountain. Tickets are a steal at $70. And you can get yours right now by visiting dash tickets.co.nz and searching O'Kanes, that's O-K-A-I-N-S, or heading to gardenofsound.nz, clicking on the banner on the front page. Proceeds will be supporting the amazing O'Kanes Bay Māori and Colonial Museum and will encourage more music and awesome collaborations across this beautiful part of the world. Get your tickets now for this great little event. It's dash tickets.co.nz, search for O'Kanes, that's O-K-A-I-N-S, or head to gardenofsound.nz and click on the O'Kane's Bay Music Fest banner. This is the Gardener Sound interview with Corey Reardon on Plains FM 96.9. It's time to talk about original music and compositions. Um, and even going back to Frantic, where you said you had something like 70 original songs, it seems like, you know, ideas and bringing these songs to life is no no issue for you so as an as an older person um heading into flame that was uh, probably your second to last album yes how did the um how's the concept because it ties in flame phoenix where, yeah. where does all of that come from um if you listen to flame uh, which is on bandcamp spotify all the platforms um <clears throat> It's uh, it's very much about shitty relationships, um, <laughs> and uh, you know it, it can become all-consuming. Um, it can become hot, heated. All it, so flame was, uh, and you, you look at the album art, uh, you'll get what I mean. And the last song on Flame, uh, called Last Goodbye, uh, it's um, there's a video for that on YouTube as well. That really sort of that was about my first marriage that was about to fold. There's a song on Flame called Core, which was also uh, written about my second wife, um, who uh, threw my vape out of the window. So that was uh, while we were driving down the road. Um, so I wrote a song about that. And then I actually, there's another song on Phoenix um, that was... Um, that has some slide guitar on it, which was in fact using a vape, um, just to uh, have a dig. 
You seem to get involved in quite a few things. Uh, we alluded to the fact that you'd broken your leg. How did how did that come about? Uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. So okay. Yeah. But you have made some tremendous achievements in that field as well. Yeah. So a uh, few months into doing Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, I uh, got gold at the Nationals. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then um, my leg, the tendon and ligament, my knee got snapped uh, at Christmas. And I got sewn back on uh, around Christmas time. Uh, four months later, went to the South Islands with my son, and we both got gold there too. So, okay, so we got the music, we got the jujitsu. Mm. Now there's a sort of a mystical aspect mm. to Corey as well. Yes. How did this appear on the scene? Because this is all creating somewhat of an interesting picture of the person and what he is able to yeah. create. Um. I've been a jib stopper for nearly 25 years um, and I was kind of mentoring people while I was employing and all that sort of thing <clears throat> and I enjoy helping. I seem to, I've had some mystical experiences and uh, as a life coach, which I have been for the last um, sort of five years, uh, moving more into mysticism, helping people with uh, life crisis basically. and. Yeah, whether it be depression or those that have tried to attempt suicide or whatever, I'm, I seem to be really good at convincing people to stick around. Is there a track, has it even been written yet, that sort of sums up the life of Corey Reardon mm. and everything that you are? I really don't know. Yeah, it's interesting. I think that might be coming. I think that'll be coming, yeah. Yeah, I... I it, it's bound to have I mean my music is very much hard on the sleeve stuff if you if you listen to my music you'll know me really really well all of my music has been written um, from experience all of it I think it's time we heard um, something else we played the uh, first single off your most recent release uh, Phoenix called When You Need it'd be good to hear something else off uh, Phoenix what do you reckon you could offer up yeah, uh, we'll just go on to track two, which is uh, quite different from the first track, and uh, it's called Common Mistake. What's that about? That's about giving too much of yourself away. Yeah, that's a common mistake that people do. Um, or uh, on the flip side as well, um, of of holding too much back. We, we, people just, it's, we struggle to be authentic, and I've done that so much in my life, just not being authentic, and if anything... My two albums have helped me uh, be as authentic as I can. Face it, we can't control it. 
destination overflows with pride. Our conversation, a consolation for This is the Garden of Sound interview with Corey Reardon on Plains FM 96.9. Just heard a track of Phoenix, Common Mistake. Um, you've talked about wanting to turn more to a, uh, a folk style, at least, mm. for, the, for the third album. Will this be a continuation of the Flame Phoenix theme? Um, no, it's very much, uh, I guess maybe, I mean it's a continuation of my story. But um, it's a little bit more lighthearted, but also just looking at existence, looking at what is, um, being grateful for it, being happy about it, instead of, you know, my other songs have been, uh, you know, pretty pissed off, um, a little bit down, and at times angry. So with some positive aspects in there as well, but um, this stuff's more um, looking at the existential existence, I guess. Looking ahead, so many things that you've done in your life. What is next, whether musically or anything else for Corey? Uh, I'll always keep writing music. Yeah, um, that's what I enjoy doing more than anything. I have put the call out uh, for musicians to uh, join me to perform the two albums I've recorded this year. Um, that's the problem when you record everything yourself. There's, uh, you've got no band ready to go. What do you need? I need a bass player, drummer, lead guitarist and keyboard would be good yeah if it, if it happens it happens i mean i don't that's how i live my life as a mystic as well you try and be spontaneous and just go more with the flow you know that sort of Taoist idea is there um uh, any thought for getting out of christchurch and having a look around and seeing if they want to hear a little bit of cory elsewhere absolutely yeah, yeah. If, if the opportunity's there, I'll, I'll take it. Um, I'll continue to record and put music out. I, I do perform here and there um, solo, doing my songs just on the acoustic guitar, which 
uh, a lot of people wouldn't pick it, but if listening to my music it sounds like there's a lot of electric guitars on there. There's, it's all performed on acoustic instruments, acoustic bass, acoustic guitar, um, and a MIDI recorder. That's a um, interface and uh, a MacBook. Mm-hmm. More than anything, I mean, what I'm doing is integrating, integrating my music, my coaching, uh, how I see life, my relationship. I mean, everything. That's how my life is kind of um, transpiring, how it's, it's coming out. I'm just watching it happen. I mean, that's come out of the mouth of a mystic. I'm just yeah. watching life unfold and uh, to bring a beautiful relationship, finally, you know, the, the sort of um, woman that I thought was impossible to be out there, to be in my life, that also sings, that's musical, uh, that supports everything I do, um, that is also a mystic in her own right. Um with my coaching, uh, doing music, showing people you do whatever you want. I mean, you, you don't need a lot of gear to record an album. Uh, I hear people make a lot of excuses or say, I just need to get into a studio or whatever. I mean, I had a broken leg. A lot of my album was recorded in bed. So so what would you say to someone like that? <laughs> just do it. Yeah. I mean, like, don't don't wait for anything to happen. Uh, as I always say to my kids, no one's coming to the rescue. And what about those with exacting standards who feel they'll be disappointed in the the result? Enjoy the disappointment. <laughs> it's so easy. We've got time for one last song, Corey. Yeah. We talked a lot about uh, Faith No More uh, yeah. sort of earlier as one of those great, amazing concert experiences. Great band. Have you got a track that you think uh, the rest of humanity... I would appreciate at this very moment. Yeah, and I think, you know, the, the name's fitting coming from uh, a mystic or a, a life coach. Everything's ruined. <laughs> um, it's, uh, it's a great song. Uh, Mike Patton's voice, I mean, he's just freaky. He's freaky. And they uh, just, they have a funk with the rock and they just, they blend and gel just magically. Corey, thanks so much for being on Gardener Sound. Thank you very much.
Right, it's time for my tracks of the week. You get two to see in the new year. The first is from Black Smoke Trigger. They're originally from Napier, and as of November last year, they released their debut album, produced by industry legend Michael Wagoner. This is one of my faves off the album. You can have it all. Everything you love is waiting on the other side. 
Track two for your edification comes straight from New Year's Eve at Hagley Park. It's LAB off their recently released third album, LAB3. And this track very much follows the musical feels of the whole show. It's called Heat.
Thanks for being here today. My guest was Christchurch musician and so much more, Corey Reardon. Head along to gardenofsound.nz and click on Corey's picture on the front page to find out more about what he's up to. You can hear a bespoke Spotify playlist of all the songs and artists we talked about today too. Just a quick reminder about the O'Kane's Bay Music Fest. Tickets for this awesome event happening January 25th can be had by heading to dashtickets.co.nz or by clicking the banner at gardenofsound.nz. And please do check out a Garden of Sound sponsor, The Nephilist, one of New Zealand's only online alcohol-free bottle stores. You can get your fill at thenephilist.com. That's N-E-P-H-A-L-I-S-T.com. That's Garden of Sound for another week. I'd love to have you back next Friday. In the meantime, keep well, keep listening, and keep playing. Hi there, darling.